Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Rambam, Hilchas Meiser, Perik Shvi, Chapter 7, Aleph. This is actually a short chapter. It only has 13 paragraphs. If somebody has a hundred measures of wine, which is tebel, truma has to be separated from it by biblical law. And he said as follows. He verbally designated the separations. He said, Shnei lugin shani osid lehaprish mehen. Two of the hundred, two measures of a hundred that I'm going to be setting aside. Harehen truma, that's truma. So he verbally designated two percent for the Kohen. That's correct. Vasara maiserishin. Then he said, ten measures is the first tithe, because he has to give a tenth to the Levi. Vitisha maiserishini. And then he has to give another nine. As the second tithe, that's the second 10%. He can't start drinking of this wine until he actually sets aside the truma and the maizra. He first has to actually do it and then drink. We don't say, whatever will end up in the end, it's as if it was designated. As we will learn, we can say, because in this scenario, it's a biblical obligation. This process is never entered into in a biblical obligation. Let it be as if it was already designated. Until it does. So here, this is more stringent than usual because it's a biblical obligation. What if somebody specifies that his tithes are located at the opening of the jug of wine? He says, this is where my tithe is. The question is, can he drink from the bottom? The answer is no, because it will mix. He says, all right, the tithes are on the bottom. Can't drink from its mouth. Because it will mix. If somebody does it in a storage container, he says this is at the top and this is at the bottom, then he can eat from the other end. Because in a storage container, there's less mixture. A person can designate the second tithe. What's the deal with the second tithe? It's a second 10% in certain years, which he has to redeem and take the money and utilize the money for food and other stuff in Jerusalem. So a person can designate the second tithe. He can then immediately redeem the second tithe. Now, bear with me. What happens when he redeems the second tithe? The money becomes tithe money and the produce becomes his everyday produce. Now he wants to use the same produce, the Esamaiserishin, and designate that as the first tithe. Which, by the way, he's very much out of order, which we learned is not appropriate, because the first tithe comes before the second tithe, but we're not going there. For those same pro, for that same produce, or for other produce, that's fine, although one should not do out of order. Somebody sets aside produce. He says, you see this container of produce? I'm going to use it all 
for tithing. I'm going to tithe other areas, and whenever I need to tithe, I'll just say, okay, I used another 10% of that container, another 10%. We learned something similar to this earlier. Again, somebody designate produce to use from my Now he knows that this container is somewhere in, 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 in his barn. So he says, okay, we'll use this percentage, that percentage. But he hasn't seen the produce. He can always assume it's still there. He can assume it didn't rot. Until the whole container becomes tied, and then he can deliver it to the lady. However, when he went to deliver it, and if he found Shabdu that they rotted, Houston, we got a problem. Now he has to go back, and he has to be concerned, and all the produce which he set aside for. However, he doesn't tithe the second time with certainty. It's a doubtful tithe and must be treated like a doubtful tithe because maybe the produce in this container rotted after he set it aside. So it's the lady's loss. Interesting laws here coming up in the financial world. Hey, if somebody makes a loan to a Kohen, he makes a loan to a lady, he makes a loan to a poor man, and then he says, listen, my friends, I know you guys don't have money. I'll repay your loan from my truma, from my miser, from my miseroni, I'm going to designate and set aside from my portion, from your portion. I'll repay myself with your truma. I'll repay myself with your miser. I'll repay myself with your poor man's miser. And that's fine. He can then designate... The gifts, now the, what's the problem? The problem he has to assume that they're still alive. Because you can't give truma to a dead Kohen. He has to assume that the Kohen, the lady, the poor man are still alive, and then it's reverting back to him as per the deal. He doesn't have to be afraid that the Kohen died, the lady died, or, you know, the poor man, he doesn't even have to die. He could just make money. If he's not poor anymore, you can't give him the poor man's tithe. Kate said, how should he do it? She can set aside truma, or my sedition, or first tithe. Or poor man's tithe, from his produce. And he can give it to somebody else, and he says, here, acquire it for that Cohen, Acquire it for that lady. Acquire it for that poor man. And then he takes it back. Furthermore, if he was the only Cohen or the only Levi or the only poor man he ever gave to. He doesn't even have to give it to somebody else to acquire because this is his deal. He always did this. And if Tzorach Lezak he doesn't even have to have somebody else acquire it on their behalf. After he sets it aside, Mechashev, he calculates how much it's worth. He then goes to his little black book or to his iPhone. <laughs> And he deducts from the loan. Until he pays, repays his whole debt. He can sell the truma then to any coin. And he can eat the miser. Why? Because truma food can't be eaten by an Israelite. He can just use the money that a coin will pay him. Because truma food is cheaper. And then he can repay the debt with that money. The miser... Money is not holy money. He could take all of that. However, 
Now he says in seven, when he's trying to assign a price to this, he can even give himself the benefit of the doubt and take the lower price. He shouldn't even worry that he's getting interest because he now has a right to take the lower price. And this is a very interesting law. You ever try and sell a stock? You try and sell a stock, there's a buyer's bid and there's a seller's bid. So one bid is always higher than the other. It's what you're buying for and what you're selling for. And then you have to have mazel. So the buyer's bid is always lower than the seller's bid. The seller wants more, the buyer wants less. Here he can take the benefit of the doubt because he was such a good guy. And he advanced them the money and we're not concerned with this being considered interest. Furthermore, the sabbatical year does not cause this debt to disappear because this falls out of the category of a sabbatical year because it only covers debts for which people demand payment. There's no demand of payment here because the deal has been made. What if the farmer wants to change his mind? He can't. A deal is a deal. But if the people who took the money want to change their mind, they may. What if there was a very bad crop and the farmer says, Ah, I'll never get my debt out of this. I give up. Because he can only get, let's say, 10% of a very bad crop to pay back a big debt. So he says, I give up. Giving up makes it no longer permissible to set aside this tithe. Shema Prishna love it because you can never set aside that which you gave up. Mesa Kohen or Levi, if the Kohen or Levi died, Ahani Shehilvam or the poor man, Ahani Shehilvam or the poor man died, Ani Yachal Apeshalein Mechelkin Kedarachazu, Achiyutur Shusman Ayersham, he can no longer do this until he gets permission from the heirs, which Yenichlem Karka, Philom Machat, provided that these heirs inherited also a t- a real estate, even a tiny piece. But if they only left cash, then the permission of the heir itself doesn't help because in Torah law, rights only are conveyed in many instances along with real estate. If he did all of this under court supervision, then he doesn't need permission. If the poor man became rich, you can no longer set aside poor man's tithe, even though the loan was made in the court. And he acquired it. An Israelite who said to a Levi, You know, Mr. Levi, you have a big measure of miser in my, uh, in my barn. I got a lot of stuff for you. The Levi can then designate this as his 10% to the Kohen for other obligations, even though he never actually pulled it, took it, and acquired it. What if the Levi did that? The Levi took this huge amount that the guy told him, I have sitting for you. He used it as truma for an amount ten times as much. And then he comes, or the guy comes to collect, or whatever, the coin, and the farmer says, never mind, I changed my mind, I gave it to my brother-in-law as a lady. 
Does he have a case? Can he take him to court? So here we have an expression that is often used in Torah. Ein lo'i elo, ein lo'i olav the only thing he has against him is complaints. He can put a complaint in the complaint box, but there's no legal ramification. My Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Isaac Shreya, blessed memory, used to say, When you promise something to somebody, or you, say, you tell somebody, I promise you, or I love you, that's free. So be careful of people who tell you too much, I promise and I love. Tell them you want cash on the barrel. By the way, I love you. Test me, Shoyer, like Petus, if somebody had produce in a silo, and also saw the levy, and he gave a measure to the levy and a measure to the poor man. So figure, he figures now he could take eight for himself, like Yapesh Menasin, and I'm going to be Yacham, he should not separate for himself and eat. Unless he knows that this is alive and well. But if the levy ate it already, and the poor man ate it already, and he's still sitting with it. He can only use by, he can only determine and utilize what's left. What if poor man came and they said, you take our poor man's gifts, and we'll take your stuff. They gave him a measure of the gleamings or the gatherings or the corners that they, or the tithings that they got as poor people. And they took in, in its place, saw a measure from the threshing floor. The one who took it from them is not obligated to give tithe because poor man's gifts are not tithable. Even though they became now acquired by the farmer. But the poor man who took from him they have to give tithe. Even though it was barter for their gifts. Somebody had before him two baskets of produce from which Truma was taken. And he said, The tithe for this basket is in this basket. Then the first one is considered tithe. He said, this basket's tithes are in this basket. This basket's tithes are in this basket. The first is considered tithe. Because he established its tithe in the second basket. However, the second basket is not tithed. Because the rule is, you cannot tithe from something that might, that tithe was already given from something that tithe was not yet given for. We learned that rule earlier. Twelve, he says, the tithe of each one of these is in, it, is in the other. He established a name, and it should work. He takes the meiser, and he can't take meiser from another place. For them, the kates and how does it work? He takes the tithe of both of them from one of them, or each one from it. If they're equal, one was bigger than the other. He takes from the small one the big one. From the big one, the small one. End of chapter 7.